phone to somebody and to wish them a merry, wonderful, blessed Christmas. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've got these beautiful candles down here. Wasn't that a great service this morning? And weren't you glad to see four professions of faith in Jesus Christ as personal Savior? Now, tonight we have a little different uh, uh, format than we had this morning. This morning it was kind of free and, and um, it was kind of uh, informal. We had lots of music. Tonight many people are away and uh, so we want to be in the Word and take the devotional truth, the doctrinal truth and apply it to our life. And as I said, we have a, an expert tonight on the subject of this application. I love the fact that Brother Tyler Candy, who was recently ordained to the gospel ministry, uh, is... Uh, a practical applier of the Scripture to our individual circumstances. So I want you to make welcome Brother Tyler Candy as he comes to fill the pulpit tonight. Let's give him a hand as he comes. God bless you. Amen. Take the time that you need. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for an opportunity to preach this evening. I don't think I would call myself an expert, but I'm working on it. I'm, we're all a work in progress, aren't we? <laughs> Amen. Well, this is Christmas Eve, and I know that everybody is in a sense of getting things ready for tomorrow. Tomorrow's the big day, Christmas Day, and uh, I don't know about you, but for those of us who were out yesterday um, passing out uh, literature and tracts, it was busy. I don't know where you guys went, but we went to Walmart, and uh, praise the Lord, in, in a span of an hour, hour and a half, we were able to pass out 400 tracts. Amen. That's how busy it is. For the Christmas season, Praise it is God. Christmas Eve, it is busy, Amen. and uh, yesterday and probably today are probably the busiest times of the year for shopping, so I hope that you already got your shopping done, because you don't need to go out anymore. Tonight, we're celebrating Amen Christmas to Eve. Amen. Tomorrow is Christmas Day, and uh, we're so excited to enjoy it tomorrow, but as we get closer to Christmas, uh, as the hours wane and we start to uh, go through our traditions as a family... We think back to the memories that we once had, um, maybe as a child or as a young adult or wherever it is in your life. You look back on the memories that you had celebrating Christmas with your family. Maybe you think back and you see a uh, nice fire set in the living room and you're sipping a hot cocoa from your mug and you're uh. sitting down and enjoying some time around the fireplace. Maybe the Bible's open and you're reading the Christmas story. Maybe this is a memory for you. Maybe it's uh, like for me, we... We built a whole gingerbread town. No, not just a gingerbread house, a whole gingerbread town. We'd build gingerbread houses, a gingerbread church. We'd make an icing, ice skating rink. We'd have huh. uh, um, uh, powdered sugar snow. And we'd take uh, my mom's little figurines that she'd take out for Christmas and put them on. And some would be ice skating. Some would be throwing snowballs. And we made a whole gingerbread town. And it was, it's a, that's a memory that I have. I don't really care to eat gingerbread myself, but I really enjoy <laughs> building it. It's fun, and, uh, and that's a memory that I have. We play Amen. games on Christmas Day. We, we sip, spend time together as a family. And you might think to yourself, what, what Christmas memories do I have that I can think back on? And I hope that some of them are related to your family, and some of them are around the time in which you got to spend with your family. We all have a family. You all came from a mother and a father. We all have some semblance of a family, whether big or small, whether uh, they're alive today or not, we all come from a family. True. And tonight, I want to focus in on the family in terms of Christmas. Tonight's message is entitled, The Christmas Family. We're going to look at 
the family, uh, what, what Pastor mentioned today, the Holy Family, uh, we're going to call them the Christmas family tonight. Amen. Uh, Amen. Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. It's said that the family is the most basic unit of government as the first community to which a person is attached and the first authority under which a person learns to live. The family mm. establishes society's most basic values. And Billy Graham said, apart from religious influence, the family is the most important unit of society. That's true. It would be well if every home were Christian, true. but we know that that is not true. He right. goes on to say that the only way to provide the right home for your children is to put the Lord above them amen. and fully instruct them in the ways of the Lord. And I would say amen to that. And, you know, if you have children or if you're raising children or if one day you're going to have children, it is of the utmost importance that we put the Lord Jesus Christ at the top yes. of the person who's in charge Amen. of our family. Amen. It's not me that's in charge of my family. It's God that's in charge of my True. family. And then it's me, and then it's my wife, and then comes the children. When we come to Christmas message, there's many messages that you could preach um, or that you could hear at a Christmas time. We've heard many messages from pastor and from others, uh, from other places. Uh, we could talk about the first advent of Jesus and how he came to this earth, and he was uh, born of a virgin, uh, sinless and perfect, and he grew up, and he died for your sins and mine. We've heard messages on that. We've heard messages on the shepherds, and how they, were, they heard the Christmas message. They went to go witness Jesus in the, in the stable, and then they went off and were witnesses themselves. We could talk about the wise men, how they came, and then they left another way, and they were changed. We could talk about joy, hope, and peace. But for my first Christmas message, I want to preach on something that is so important to me, and that's the family. It's important to me because I am also building my own family right now. He called me an expert, but I'm still working on building my family. We're having more kids, and we're raising our kids as they go from baby to toddler to young boy to young man, because uh, I only have boys, so I didn't say young ladies, because I only have boys. But this is so important. It's the first institution that God has ordained. In the very beginning, God ordained the family True. before he ordained the government, yes. before he ordained the church. Yes. And the family ought to be part of the foundation of a functioning society. It ought to first be on the word of God. The word of God ought to be the final, the final authority, the very basic level of foundation for any institution. But on top of that should be the family. Because without the family, society and other institutions start to degrade. In our societies today, we see people saying, well, we're so progressive and we're so uh, moving forward. We're changing things. We're breaking out of the mold. Well, that mold was built by people who had families and who had foundations in yeah, families, true. who had foundations in the word of God. And once you remove those, those of us who can see clearly see that it's just a, it's just a mess. It's breaking down and it's just uh, a problem in these, in these days. And so every functioning church, every yeah. functioning society, every functioning country ought to have a foundation in the family. Yes. And as the Christmas family that we're going to look at this evening, they give us many examples to follow in our own families. And I'm trying to raise boys that are respectful, that are obedient, and that will one day develop their own families as I'm developing mine, as I'm encouraging you all to develop yours. And Joseph... Uh, had both of those, and that's why he makes a great family man. He was obedient, and he was respectful. He was in tune with God, and he Amen. heard what God had to say, and he Amen. acted upon it. There are many other families in the Bible. There are the patriarchs, um, jo uh, Jacob and uh, Isaac and uh, Abraham. There's Noah. There's Adam and Eve. There's David. 
But we're going to talk tonight about Joseph and Mary. Not the Old Testament Joseph, but the New Testament Joseph. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. This evening we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, and we're also going to be over in Luke chapter 2, and then back to Matthew. So those, those, are, your, those are your scriptures for this evening. Matthew chapter 1. And a couple weeks ago, a preacher brought a message about Joseph and uh, applied it in a, a specific way about trusting and obeying and how Joseph was one who obeyed. Uh, I'm going to take a similar passage and apply it to the family and how he obeyed God and he was an obedient family man. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible here says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Mm. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of, uh, the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord mm, had bidden yes. him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're going to show us this evening about how we can raise our kids in a, in a Christian environment, how we can lead our families in a way that is Christ-honoring, how we can take the examples of the Christmas family and apply them to our families, no matter which role we fill, whether it's husband or wife or father or mother or child or teenager. Lord, I pray that you will allow each person to uh, apply this in their own lives, in their own way, the way that you lead them and, lead, and that you guide them. Lord, if there's one that doesn't know you as their Savior who's listening tonight, I pray that tonight will be the night of their salvation. And they'll join the family of God, the most important family. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So in this passage, we look and we see that Joseph was espoused to Mary. It says that Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. And so here we can see that uh, the, the union that they had was not in a physical sense. Back then, they did marriage a different way than we do now. We think of a spousal as, as a, like an engagement. When I asked my wife to marry me, I got on my knee and I had a ring and I asked her, would you marry me? And after that point, we had a period of time in which we planned the wedding and all the way up to the day in which we got married and then we were married. But all the way up until I said I do, until she said I do, until we exchanged vows, until we exchanged rings, until the pastor said, you may now kiss your bride, she could have walked away. She could have said, no, I'm not going to do this. I could have walked away. I could have said, no, I'm not going to do this. Well, in this period of time with the law and with the Israelites, this is not what they did. Instead, what they did during this espousal or betrothal period was that it was almost everything as a marriage. It was as binding legally as a marriage, except without the physical union. And so for them to break the engagement, for them to break the betrothal, they actually had to have a bill of divorcement to basically legally divorce each other before they were actually married. And so there was a legal, it's there was true. a binding uh, part in this. And it says that because it says before they came together. 
And this shows us that there's a right way to do marriage. There's a right way to approach marriage. And if we approach marriage the way that the world decides, that desires us to approach marriage, we're going to end up finding that it's fruitless. Uh, the hookup culture of today's society is fruitless. Uh, it is not the way that God designed the approach to marriage. Instead, God designs, designed the approach to marriage in that one man and one woman come together. And there's no sense of, I, I'm going to jump from one to the next to the next to the next and try to find the right one. We ought not to be searching for the right one. We ought, ought to allow God to provide us yes, the right one. Amen. In my life, I attempted to search for the right one and found that it's fruitless and that it, there's nothing in it. And that it, my me taking the, the steps to do it correct, the way that I wanted to do it, was not the correct way. But when I took a step back and I said, I'm not going to search anymore, God provided the one. And God provided the right one at the right time. Amen. And we approached it in the right way. And there's different ways of doing it. But this is an example to us that we can teach our kids to approach marriage in the right way. Approach it like Joseph approached Mary. And it says that he was a just man. Not in the sense of dueling out justice to Mary. Because it says that she was found with child. And so during this period of time, if she was found with child, it would have meant that she was unfaithful to Joseph. And so the law said that you could go out and you could stone her. You could kill her for being unfaithful to you, even during this period of betrothal. But he was a just man. This word just means kind and tender and merciful. Amen. He was just to her. It, not that he wanted to duel out justice, but that he wanted to do things the right way with her. And so he was pondering these things. He was thinking, well, maybe I'm going to give her a bill of divorcement and we'll just do it privately and quietly and separate. I'm sure she was going through all kinds of things right now with other people talking about her. And uh, who knows what kind of uh, things were being said right now. So he wanted to quietly divorce her. And we should be just in our family relations. This gives us that example that no matter what issues happen in our relations with our family, whether it's with our siblings, with our parents, with our children, we ought to have the same sense of justice in, in terms of being kind and tender and merciful Good with point. our family Amen. members. Not just to duel out justice and say, well, they hurt me, so I'm going to whatever. Amen. We ought to take a kind and tender Amen. and merciful approach, just like Joseph Amen. did to Mary. And so it says then that he thought on these things. And this is so important. I recall uh, going to Sight and Sound and seeing their depiction of Mary and Joseph and leaving that, uh, that um, uh, act, that, uh, that um, uh, it's not a movie, it's like a show, it's like a, 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 a uh, I can't think of the word, it's like a um, performance. performance, thank you. You're welcome. And that performance, and I left that performance thinking to myself, I want to be like Joseph. He's not the star of the show. It's Jesus, obviously. And we want to always point Christmas to Jesus. But I left thinking, I want to be like Joseph. Because Good. he thought on these things. He was slow to wrath. Proverbs 21.5 tells us to be slow to wrath. Amen. He didn't just Amen. get up that, that evening, finding that Mary was with child, dragged her out and stoned her. But instead, he thought on these things. And, and so it's important for us to remember this because we have to consider matters that impact our family. We have to consider things. We have to think on things. We have to ponder things before we act on things, especially when they impact our family. Yes. And by taking time to figure things out, God speaks to Joseph. And 
an angel comes to Joseph and he reveals to him what's going on. And he reveals God's plan. And then Joseph is illuminated. Now, an angel is not going to come to you in a dream and he's not going to reveal things to you and he's not going to illuminate you. But let me tell you, we have something better. It's the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God is the revealed truth. It is the revealed words that God has given to us. And when we open the Word of God, we have illumination and we can see things that maybe we haven't seen before. And maybe we're in this different family circumstance. And that verse now applies in a different way to our family. We have to be in the Word of God. We have to see what God is telling to us, His plan for us, so that we can think on these things, ponder it, and then apply it into our families. So Joseph here is an obedient family man. He's obedient to God's plan. As, he re, as his plan is revealed to him, and as he is illuminated, he then takes that and then applies to it. We ought to think before we act, and we ought to seek God's will in every situation, in every family situation, in every personal situation, in every business situation. We ought to think on these things before we act. Amen. Here it says that Joseph was told to call his name Jesus. As I was studying for this, it, for the first time I saw this, in, in Luke chapter 2, when Mary is visited by the angel and told what's going on, the angel says his name will be called Jesus. But here it says that he shall call his name Jesus. Yes. Joseph had the responsibility of naming Jesus. Even though Joseph is not his earthly father, Joseph held that responsibility to name his son, the, the, the son of Jesus. And he named his name Jesus. And so we see that Joseph here is obedient to God's plan. He did, and then he took, and then he called. If you look in verse number 24, Joseph then being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. He took unto him his wife, knew her not until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That's good. So Amen. we see the obedience of Joseph through God's plan. Then we see the obedience of Joseph to God's people. If you turn over to Luke chapter 2, we see the people that God has put in charge of this area. Luke chapter 2, I'm sure you're going to read this at some point, whether tonight or tomorrow. When we celebrate our Christmas, we always open up our Bibles and we look at Luke chapter 2 and we read the Christmas story. And here in Luke chapter 2, we're going to read just a small portion of it. It says in verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. So the person in charge here is Caesar Augustus. What does he do? He's, he puts out a decree. So the person that's been put in the place of authority by God is Caesar Augustus. And Caesar Augustus, wishing himself to be God, decides to put out this decree so that he could have more money to live his lavish life, to have his lavish army, and to have his kingdom. And unknowingly, he's fulfilling God's plan. Yes. In verse 2, and this yes. taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And you can see that lineage in Matthew chapter 1, which shows the lineage of Joseph back to Abraham. And what is he doing? He's obeying the command that's been given to him. I'm sure Joseph doesn't want to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I'm sure that's a hard travel to go through, especially with a, uh, a soon-to-be wife who is pregnant with Jesus. Mm. Nazareth is north, and then you come south, and Galilee is to the east, uh, sorry, to the west, 
And then you come south, and then there's Jerusalem, and then there's Bethlehem under Jerusalem. So they had quite the trek to, to, to go. And so they, they went, and I'm sure he didn't really want to, but he obeyed anyways. He obeyed yeah. the people that God put in charge. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And we heard a great message from Pastor about that part right there. But we see here that Joseph and Mary were obedient to the people that God had put in charge. Jesus said to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Mm. We are to be obedient to those who God has put in place over us. And when it comes to raising our children, we are not to be to raising them as rebels, but rather to be obedient to those who True. God has put in charge. Now, when that, that decree goes against the word of God, then we have to obey God rather than man, Amen. the Bible says. Amen. But to uh, go and pay taxes is not going against the word of God. And so Joseph complied and he was obedient. So we need to teach our children to obey the authority over them. We need to teach it to them by our example. Our example of obeying God and obeying the people that God has put in charge over us and not being rebel rousers and, and going on a revolution, but instead just obey the people that God has put in charge. True, true. If the authorities then go against the Bible, we got to follow God rather than man. And because of Joseph's obedience and Mary's obedience to the people that God had put in charge, Jesus was born where it was prophesied for him to be born. Because Caesar put this decree out, they were to come to Bethlehem. Because Joseph obeyed, they went to Bethlehem, and that's where Jesus was born. Can you imagine how different the story would be if Joseph refused to go and refused to pay his taxes and refused to go on that trip? And he said, but my wife is great with child, I cannot go. Who knows what would have happened? I'm sure God would have still ordered everything in the way that he wanted for his plan, but Joseph would have missed out on That's being it. part of it. Yes. He would have missed out on the blessings because of his disobedience. And our disobedience may make it so that we aren't put, we aren't part of the blessings and the plan of God. And God will still get his plan done, but in spite of us versus through us. So Joseph was an obedient family man. He was obedient to God's plan, he was obedient to God's people, and he was obedient to God's protection. Now flip over to Matthew chapter 2, and we'll see what happens after Christ's birth, after the wise men visit. So now they've received the gifts. Uh, Jesus is uh, not quite the baby he was in the stable. He's a little child now. And in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And, there was, and, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. And so you see that the angel comes to Joseph again. This is interesting because this is the second time now that the angel has come to Joseph. We're seeing that Joseph was a man that was in tune with God. And you and I, as leaders of our house men, we have to be in tune with God to be able Amen. to see what God wants us to do in our right. families. Ladies, you uh, being a mother and, and a wife, have to be in tune with God to see how you are to raise your children, how you are to be the wife that God calls you to be. 
And Joseph was in tune with God to be able to hear the message that God was giving to him. And then he was able to act on it again. And he was obedient again. Mary Brown in her in her hymn, I'll go wherever you want me to go, says, I'll go wherever you want me to go, dear Lord, or mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Amen. Joseph was doing that. He was going where God wanted him to go at the time that God wanted him to go. First Samuel says, it's, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. If you love me, keep my commandments. We ought to obey God rather than man, the Bible True. says. And Harry Ironside said this. He said, a dying Christian father bade farewell to his family and then turning to his wife said, my dear, see that you bring the children up to honor and obey you. For if they don't obey you when they are young, they won't obey God when they are old. True. And this is Joseph, his example to his family, to his children, to Jesus. His example is to obey. And he obeyed God in in his plan. He obeyed God by the people that God had put in place, and he obeyed God when he was told to protect his family. And so you see again where it says that Joseph, in verse 14, he arose, he took, and he took the child and his mother by night, and he departed into Egypt. Mm. This was a man of action. This wasn't yeah. a man that sat around saying, well, God said to do this, but I'm not really sure. No, when it comes to protecting our families, we have to act. We cannot take time to think about it. We have to act and we have to protect our children. We have to protect our loved ones. And we have to act fast. And that's what Joseph did. He arose, he took, and he departed. Parents, we have to protect our children. We have to protect them physically in this world from people who want to take them from us, people who want to uh, do harm to them. We have to protect them physically in this world. And in each area of our country, there have been different physical uh, dangers that we have to protect our children from. And today, it's, it's rampant uh, human trafficking and prostitution, all these things. We have to protect our kids physically. But let me tell you this. It goes beyond that. In this day and Come age, we have to protect our kids from the ideologies right. that are being Amen. infiltrating our schools. True. They are infiltrating the media that our kids consume on a daily basis. Our kids do not consume very much TV at all. All the, all the shows that they watch are screened by us because there has been uh, at least one or two shows that we allowed them to watch for a period of time, and then I found out that not the ones that they watched, but in future episodes, gender ideology was part of this yeah. little kid's cartoon. Yeah. I just saw recently, in the last couple days, a very popular kid's cartoon, I'm going to say this online, had a gay dad, two-dad family, and their son their son, in a dress, dancing for these two gay men. This is child abuse yes, it is. on the media that your kids are Shame. watching. Shame. This is gender ideology and these evil ideologies that infiltrate our schools, they infiltrate our media, and we have to protect our children from such things. Amen. If we send our kids to public schools, even private schools, we have to be careful to talk to them about the things of the Word of God because they may not be getting it. They may not be getting any of that, any of that truth, but they're getting lies and they're getting evil thoughts and evil things uh, infiltrating into their minds. We have to protect our children. We have to protect their minds. We have to protect their way of thinking. And this is why, uh, for those of you online, if you have kids and you don't have them uh, if, you, if you believe in Santa and you want to talk about Santa with your kids, you probably want to cover your ears because I'm going to say it. We don't teach our kids that Santa's real. 
the man way back when may have been a real man who gave gifts to kids at the time, uh, but Santa as a idea, Santa as a, um, a belief is not real. And we teach our kids that Santa isn't real. Mm. We're not militant about it, uh, but we want to teach our kids what the true meaning of true. Christmas is. Amen. Now, we celebrated Christmas as our own family unit on Friday uh, because we're going to be traveling and we're going to be with other family. And so I still wanted to have that period of time in which I could go through our traditions as a family and still talk about things as our own family unit. One of the things that I told the kids uh, was that Everything about Christmas ought to point to Christ. Amen. So even the tree points to Christ. Even the presents point to Christ. Every aspect of Christmas points to Christ. Good. Santa does not point to Christ. Santa is not real. If we believe in something that is fake, when the real thing is right there, we're doing our children a disservice. Yes. Because they're going to grow up one day and they're going to see that Santa isn't real. And they're going to think that they've been lied to because they have been lied to. Uh, but if they instead grow up believing about Jesus Christ, when they get older, they're going to find out that Jesus is real. And Amen. Jesus is still there. And Jesus will still help them every aspect of their life. I'd rather my kids to believe in something that's real now as they're, they're two and five versus something that's fake and provides magic around Christmas. The magic of my Christmas is Jesus Christ. It's not yeah. magic at all. It's yeah. reality to yeah. me. Amen. So being led by God's will will help because uh, God knows what is best for our loved ones. This will help to protect them. Uh, I'm not saying that you need to be a hovering parent or you need to be a hovering person around your kids, uh, but you can't go to the other side and let the, the, the ideologies of this world raise them. You have to find that middle ground that God has desired for True. you to have to protect them from the physical things and the ways of thinking. Now, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, we see the rest of the story. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, that's Jeremiah, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard lamentation and weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. So this is what Joseph was protecting his family from. This is, what God, this is why God told him to leave was because of this very thing right here. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So God is speaking to Joseph again saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. So the angel's now telling him what to do again. So where he's being led by the angel, he's being led by God again. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. So we see again the obedience of Joseph. He arose, he took, and he came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And so his, Herod's son, Archelaus, was just as brutal as, as his father. You heard this morning how brutal his father was. Well, Archelaus was just as brutal. Joseph knew this. And as they approached where they were supposed to be, he was afraid. He was alarmed. He was, an, uh, uh, he was knowing of what, what was going on. And God again directed him where to go. And he came and dwelt in the city of Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. 
So you can see how Joseph is being led by God to accomplish God's will. Yes. And prophecies are being fulfilled through the obedience of Joseph. And by protecting his family the way God wanted him to protect them, he continues to fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament. These are the, these things about protection, and they're validated by God. And they then dwelt, dwelt in Nazareth, and this was God's ordained protection. Psalms tells us that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. Second Thessalonians says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Isaiah says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God provides the protection to us. But we have, as parents, we have to provide that protection to our, kill, our, our children because they are lent to us by the Lord. And we are responsible for them. And God will protect them too if we are led by God and we obey God. Good point. So Amen. thirdly, we want to see that Joseph was part of the development of Jesus. Joseph was a family man that developed his family. Jesus wasn't the only child of Joseph and Mary. He wasn't even Joseph's child, technically. Uh, but Joseph was a part of his development. And the other children, James and Jude and others that are mentioned in the Bible, were also part of that family. And Joseph developed the children in this family. In Luke chapter 2, we see that Joseph was there when the shepherds came. Joseph was the one that named Jesus. He followed the law to circumcise Jesus. As Jesus grew, Joseph was most likely highly involved in the raising of Jesus, in the raising of the other children. Jesus obviously was perfect. He was sinless. But there was still that development of Jesus as a young child to get to the point in which he was. Um, it it kind of boggles my mind how to think about this. Even Preacher mentioned it this morning. As a baby, Jesus is perfect, and he knows all things. So how do you teach him something if he knows everything? I don't know. It doesn't, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. But Joseph developed the the things in Jesus. He developed the attitudes. He developed the yeah. mannerisms. He developed the morals and the values that Jesus had. They went to the feast together as a family in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Remember when Jesus was left behind and they came back for him. He was, Joseph was all part of this. And then in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says that Jesus grew in stature and in favor with God and man. And then from that transition from Luke chapter 2 to Luke chapter 3 was most likely when Joseph died. But he was a part of the family. He was a developing part of the family. James went on to preach uh, and to be the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. Jude wrote the book of Jude. And he had, the, Joseph had an impact on his family. He developed his family. We have to ask ourselves, are we developing our families? Are we helping them to grow? Are, are we as husbands helping our wives to grow? Are we as wives helping our husbands to grow? Are we as parents helping our children to grow? Yeah. Are we having those family altar times? Are we having those times of family devotions? I've already talked to my wife. That's something we're going to be working really hard on in 24, uh, 2024 is to have a more dedicated family altar time. A time when you sit down, no distractions. We're doing Bible time. We're doing memory verses. We're doing singing. We're doing togetherness. Is that an important part of your family? Or do we let this world develop our families? Do we have, instead of family altar time, we have family TV time? Or we have family stare at your device time? Or we have family 
separation time when everybody goes to their rooms? Is that the kind of family environment that we have? Is that the family environment that God desires us to have? Or is we rather to develop our families or to be part of our families together? This isn't obedience, this isn't protection, and this isn't development. So instead, we ought to take charge of our families the way that God desires mm. us to do so. Amen. And I know that all of our family situations are different. But as we near Christmas tomorrow, whether you're with family or not, we ought to have a family time that's like the Christmas family. Use the examples that the Christmas family has given to us. What Joseph and Mary and Jesus had whether it's through obedience, whether it's through respectfulness, whether it's through protection, whether it's through development of our, of our, of our gifts and our callings, that who knows what could happen one day with our children. Yes. We have to develop that. Make this Christmas time a time to reflect on what Jesus has done. I know this message hasn't really been about talking about Jesus specifically, but more about talking about the family because I know tomorrow we're going to be with family. We're going to have to put up with some things that we don't want to put up with. Uh, but we're around family. We have to have that, that um, aspect of thinking on these things, about slow to wrath, about uh, obeying what God wants us to say and what he wants us to not say during this time. True. Then we ought to make it time of a family time, the way that God designed it. And if you don't have a family, I know how it could be, um, but I know that there are people around you that think of you as family, and want to treat you as family. And I know that the most important family is not our own specific family, but it is the family of God. It's yes. the one that you enter into when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you have never done that, in just a few moments, we'll tell you how you can do that. But it's so important, no matter what your family makeup is right now, or what it has been in the past, or what it will be in the future, it's important to take these aspects that Joseph gives to us, that Mary gives to us, to be obedient to God's plan, to be obedient to the people that God has put in charge, to be obedient to God's protection, to protect our families from this world, and instead to develop them ourselves through the Word of God, through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And thank you so much for your, your attention and your listening this evening to our message, and I pray that it can be a blessing to you. And as pastor comes, I know that he has some words to say about salvation. Let's keep our heads bowed for a moment. Thank you, Brother Tyler. Great message and uh, certainly applies to all of us. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the starting point. Right now, online, they're getting the invitation. I'd like to extend it to you. It may be that you've never truly received Christ. Just call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, if we would just say, Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I want you to come into my heart, take away my sins, and take me to heaven when I die. It's not just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not all about the angels who sang for him that day. It's not all about the shepherds or the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross. It's about my sin 
It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. It's not just about the good things in this life I've done. It's not all about the treasures or the trophies that I've won. It's not about the righteousness that I find within. It's all about His precious blood that saved me from my sin. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. The beginning of the story is wonderful and great, but it's the ending that can save you, and that's why we celebrate, celebrate. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about God's Son nailed to a tree. It's about how every drop of blood that flowed from Him when it should have been me. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. So that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. It's about the cross. It's about the cross.